The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and... Today, we're teaching The Eye of the Storm by Gary Simmons. I am teaching this book because I I think so highly of it. I taught it years ago when it first came out in the Johnny Coleman Institute. I'm from Christ Universal Temple, as you know, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the senior minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. And years ago, when the book first came out, around 2002 or three. I saw the book. I said, oh, let me get this. Read it. And I just really, yeah, 2001, it came out. And when I read it, I said, oh, my God, this book is powerful. I need to teach it. And this is the probably not the last time I will teach this book. So make sure that you get the book, The Eye of the Storm by Gary Simmons, because it is powerful. Uh, you know, again, as I've said, stated before, I don't personally know. Uh, Reverend Gary Simmons, I've talked to him. I think I met him once at a conference at Unity at Unity Village years ago. But what's important is the material. What's important is the message. And today we're going to chapter three, which is enemy mine, enemy mine, M-I-N-E. And the book starts on page 40 by stating, the belief that someone or something is against you is what Jesus called the enemy. Your enemy could be your body, an illness, or physical condition. Your enemy could be a dreaded eventuality, such as death or a divorce. 
Your enemy could be an unsympathetic co-worker or colleague who challenges your authority. Whatever seems to be against you is your enemy. You know that you are in relationship to an enemy when your first inclination is to be in control of the situation or to be right or to make the other person wrong. When you resist change, you are face-to-face with an enemy, a situation or person holding your well-being hostage. Now, he gives a context of how what we're actually working with is is the mindset of of thinking that something is literally or legitimately against my spiritual well-being. In other words, personalities can clash, we can disagree, etc. But there's nothing that's interfering with my spiritual well-being except that which I choose to engage with on my own. He says it this way, and I love it. Remember that the enemy is a reflection of your belief that someone or something is against you. The belief is not true, nor is it true that the person or situation is against you. Now, again, the you is the spiritual being. So the, what we consider an outer enemy is just a reflection of a belief that something is against us. A reflection, a mirror. And I, I want to go back to the first paragraph when he started talking about your enemy could be your body and illness or physical condition. Sometimes when the physical body isn't working the way we desire it to work, we end up having a, to use a modern vernacular, a love-hate relationship with it. We love it. We want it. it we, you know, we appreciate it at a level. And then we're angry. We're frustrated. Uh, we're fearful about what's going on with it or in it. So, so, it, so in that concept, it's not integrated. It's not like spirit, soul, body. It's spirit, soul, and we got this body that's something separate that that we have issues with. And we have to be careful not to make the body an enemy when it's not working the way we desire it to work. That's really important. It's really important or not to make the the spouse your enemy as you're going through a divorce or if you're having issues at work, not to make the person your enemy. OK, they can have their position and you can have yours, but they don't mean they have to be in your mind an enemy. Again, Gary Simmons says, remember that the enemy is a reflection of your belief that someone or something is against you. The belief is not true. Nor is it true that the personal situation is against you. All right. So then he goes into Jesus's teachings on page 41 and specifically the Sermon on the Mount where he writes. But to be considered a child of God, you must love where it is most difficult to love. Now, I just wanted to stop there for a moment because. That's. That's not something that we do very naturally. We've been conditioned to, you know, through cultural upbringing to be somewhat self-centered. So when somebody says be nice to someone who isn't being nice or, or act in integrity when everybody else is not acting in integrity or maintain your values when no one else is maintaining their values, that can be challenging. But it's the higher way. He said he calls Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. 
he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and send it rain on the just and on the unjust. In other words, we must you must treat your enemy as you would treat a beloved friend if you are to claim your wholeness and worth. So I have to see people who I disagree with, with the same level of love and compassion that I see people who I consider the people that are closest to me. Yes. Now we're talking about walking the spiritual path where even Jesus could say, and I know this is challenging when he was being persecuted and nailed to a cross, father forgive them for they know not what they do. He was clearing up his own mind, which the author talks about later. I know that when we work with concepts like this, it makes people uncomfortable. But if we really want to walk in integrity with our own spirituality, then we have to get to the place sooner or later where he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and send it rain on the just and the unjust. When I recognize that I'm one with all humanity, not just the humanity I like. Moving on, he says, this doesn't mean that you should put up with abuse or acquiesce to the demands of others or another. Excuse me. See, because sometimes we think being nice and loving and compassionate is being agreeable with everybody's position. No, you're going to have your position. You're going to have your stance, but you don't have to do it from a space of resistance. You could do it from an authentic spiritual place. Gary Zukov calls it authentic power. He talks about it wonderfully in a book called The Mind of the Soul, which is another book down the line that I might teach. He goes on to say, it means to relate to the person or situation authentically, not from fear, insecurity, or obligation, but from a willingness to be an avenue through which God can express. I'm going to read that again because I really want that to land. How do you show up as love, power, wisdom? How do you show up as the consciousness of truth in an experience? He says it means to relate to the person or situation authentically, not from fear, not from insecurity and not even from obligation but from a willingness uh, that's key not my will your will be done from a willingness to be the avenue through which God can express not my will your will be done think about that So he says, for this to occur, you must do as Jesus instructs. Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Mm. Uh, That's that's real. You know, these are the quotes that people normally don't uh, quote from the Bible. You know, you hear people Bible thumping. You rarely hear love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. 
we rarely hear those type of scriptures preached from the platform or from the Bible thumpers in every nation that want us to go back to the Bible and and uh, warmongers and things of that nature. Because the authentic Jesus teachings call for us to get out of our own way and allow our true nature, our spirituality, God to express in, through, and as our lives. All right. So he goes on on page 42 to talk about instructions on how to deal with the enemy. And again, the enemy is not some being with a tail or the imp or some fallen angel or some whatever that people come up with through these different concepts. We're talking about what's going on in the individual soul, what's going on in your consciousness, in my consciousness, in our collective consciousness. All right? So he goes on to say, on page 42, the tension between you and your enemy is the circumference, the storm. Again, this is the eye of the storm. The instruction is how to move to your center where you can be present to the enemy without feeling diminished. To love means to accept, to embrace, to value. To bless means to endow something or someone with the capacity to be good in your life. To do good means to do the right thing. To pray means to give your thoughts to God. It's a four-step process towards your center. Love, bless, do good, and pray. Love, bless, do good, and pray. So those are going to be the steps we're going to talk about today in this chapter because it's the whole chapter. Love, bless, do good, and pray. So the first step, he says, is looking to the mirror, love. He says, in the presence of the enemy or whoever or whatever seems to be against you, think of the personal situation as a mirror of that place in you where you are not connected to your wholeness and worth. If you are connected, you cannot be intimidated or threatened. I love that. In my book, it's highlighted and underlined the last, that last sentence. If you were connected, you cannot be intimidated or threatened. Mm. So you really have to let that land. The Jesus, you can have no power over me unless it was given to you by my father. Consciousness. The consciousness that looks at five loaves and two fish, it says there's more than enough for a multitude. A consciousness that walks up and sees uh, a man laying by the pool for 38 years talking about why he hasn't been healed that can say, pick up your bed and walk. That type of consciousness. You say, well, that's so lofty. That's Jesus, whatever. Take Jesus off the pedestal, hold his hand and say, teach me and walk with me. And how do you do that? By working with the principles and teachings and the example that he left. You know, we project it out so far that we think that it's not possible to do some of the things that we read about, but it is. I'm not saying that you're going to walk up to some, take a bread roll and pray, and all of a sudden it's going to start popping like popcorn. What I'll say is that if you have an understanding of what that means, then that which will need to be in your experience will be drawn to it. That's the lesson. 
that can you see sufficiency in the appearance of insufficiency? Can you see health in the appearance of illness? Can you see peace in the midst of a what the world would call a chaotic experience? See, we, we make it, you know, can you walk on the water? Yes, but your water might not be walking out on the lake. Those are physical laws. What I'm talking about walking on the water is over anything that is turbulent in your life, and it won't sink you. But the first thing you have to do is ask yourself the question. That's on page 43. He says, what inner resources are you lacking that if possessed instead of insecurity or fear would enable you to relate to the personal situation as not being a threat? I view you as a threat because I think it's something you can do to me. I view you or it as a threat because I think you can harm me. I view you or it as a threat because I think it's something that you or the situation can take from me. But when I really know that I'm whole, then I know there's nothing you can do to me. And like that old play that they used to have back in the day, you realize that your arms are too short to box with God. What that means is it doesn't make a difference what another person is trying to do or not do. If you're in your God consciousness, a thousand can fall at your side, as Psalm 91 says, and 10,000 at your right hand, but it should not come near you. But what do you believe? What do you believe? According to your faith, be it done unto you. That's what Jesus used to say. All right. So the next paragraph says, and that, that has a bunch of good corrections. So now you can see that the real issue is not about the person who stands before you. It is really about what's missing in your capacity to relate to the person from a place of wholeness and worth. That I can deal with you without being diminished. I can deal with you without being scared. I can deal with you without thinking that you can take something from me. I can deal with you without thinking you have any power over me. When we're coming from an authentic place and you don't have to be at the Christ consciousness level to pull that off. You just have to be real to yourself and work on yourself to get past the fears and the frustrations of the personal sense of self and walk in your divinity. Your wholeness already is. You don't have to make wholeness. You don't have to make yourself spiritual. You don't have to make yourself Christ-like. You already are. What's showing up in our experiences is just a masquerade. It's the mask is 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 false. It's not real. But we are so attached to it, we make it exist in our lives. So we're coming up on our first break. So let me remind you that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Make sure you go on and like the page. Uh, I also want to remind you that this show is is supported by your donations. So go to www.unity.fm, click the donate button, and help support this online ministry. As you have freely received, please freely give. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. 
Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity Online Radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit Unity Online Radio and click on Mobile Listening. Every moment we live can be holy, and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer, and by using our innate creativity with intention, in every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Kincannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, It's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Rev. Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. All right, welcome back to Truth Transforms. I also want to let you know that if you want to call in and ask me a question or make a comment, and I love questions and I love comments, please call in to 888-558-6489, I love to hear from you. All right, so back to the book. On page 43 says, the person or situation is actually for you, mirroring the part of you that is not connected to your wholeness and words. So 
the situations and circumstances in life uh, we encounter give us an opportunity to, to see where we're not connected to our wholeness. Because it, one of the things that William Wartz talks about in the book of uh, how to use the 12 gifts from God, which I taught all the way through in my 12 power series last year, is that when a faculty of mind is weak, an aspect of the soul is weak, we revert to emotionalism. So in other words, the reason why we get all emotional, angry, sad, frustrated, anxious, jealous, or whatever, is because that's an aspect of us that is showing its immaturity. So we, when we're immature in a certain aspect of the soul, we just revert to emotionalism. And we need to be mindful of that, that our minds will go there, that our emotions will go there, because that's showing us also an aspect of us that's not in control, because it's doing something that we don't want to do. It's, you know, be very careful that your mind doesn't take you places where you don't want to go. Now, notice that your mind taking you, because we still associate ourselves with mind, with the everyday average thinking ego that we don't even realize the type of language we use. We said, you know, I got carried away. Carried away by who? By your own thinking. So when you get carried away, it's a that's a good opportunity to catch yourself or later when you come to your senses to be able to say, what aspect of me is so out of control that I can be carried away? Because situations can't make you get carried away. You know, because how do we know that? Because, for instance, if I was in a house and a house caught on fire or it was smoke, I would run out of the house. But my uncle, who who was a firefighter for 30 plus years, he would run into the house. Just to make sure that any, everybody was okay and and whatever else that they do, he's trained to do that. So it's just the mental position. All right, back to the book. All right, number two, it says, make it mean that it's for good. Bless. All right. It says, next, bless the person or the situation. Bless it. Bless it. He says, a blessing is something that you not only speak out loud, but also think to yourself about the experience. How can I bless something that I disagree with? Well, it's one of the ways that you transform it, that you transmute it into good. So, Blessing something that you don't like does not mean, oh, I want more of it. What it's saying is, I'm going to get the lesson, and I'm going to get the blessing, and I'm going to go forward. You can bless something and never encounter it again. You can bless someone and and never encounter them again. But the key is this. You have to be free because if you're not free, It doesn't make a difference if you are in the person's space again, if you never go back to that job again, if you never have whatever. If you're carrying the emotional baggage that goes along with it. Some people 
have di- divorced people 30 years ago and still holding on to the pain. Some people are still mad about the boss that fired them. I'll never forget I was um I was at a fast food place trying to give me a uh something and a and a shake and the gentleman walked up to me and he looked at me and he said, said I know you. And I looked at him and said, Yeah, you look familiar. Um you know, and so I automatically asked him, Do you go to Christ Universal Temple? He said, No. And I said, um, and I mentioned a place where I used to work as a um, as a uh, manager. And he said, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, that's why I know you. Then he looked, and his disposition changed. He said, you fired me. And, and like, it literally his eyebrows went down. I mean, I could tell that his disposition was like, okay, like, this happened many moons ago, and he was still some way about it. And, and I looked at him very calmly and said, if I did, then you deserved it and walked away. I literally said that. If I did, you deserved it. (laughs) And got my food and walked out the place. Now, I wasn't trying to be mean or cruel by no stretch of the imagination. But if a person fires themselves and I document it, then they fire themselves. I didn't fire them. I'm just the avenue through which that process happened. The larger issue is I didn't have to engage in, in an argument of back and forth with somebody about something that happened well over a decade before um, uh, that encounter. Why? Because it, when it's all said and done, I could deal with him authentically because. I was in integrity with whatever decisions that I made then and now because I know that I don't do things to get people, quote unquote, or out of ill will or to get over or whatever. When you come in, when you come from a place of integrity, then you can be at peace with your decisions. That's called being authentic. So I bless that person. I hope the best for him now. If he's listening, God bless you now. <laughs> like literally. Because I only want the best for folks. Literally. Anyway, moving on. The book goes on to say. It mentions Joseph. He says, like Joseph who fell victim to his jealous brothers, you can know this. That which man is meant for evil, God is meant for good. That does not mean that God wants you to go through trying situations, through trials and tribulations, just for you to get a lesson. No. What it's saying is, that you can turn any breakdown into a blessing. You can get a lesson and a blessing out of it. Now, sometimes it's challenging to see the lesson, especially when it's uh, personal attachment. You know, I, I don't want to belittle that process. You know, loved ones making a transition, financial devastation, illness in the body, things of that nature. But even in the midst of that, your spiritual wholeness stays intact. Your spiritual wholeness is still unchanged. And to live a life of authentic spiritual power, that's what we have to stay connected to. Just be in that space. Again, by the way, if you want to call 888-558-6489, 
back to the book, page 44. Blessing your enemy helps you dismantle the belief that the enemy is against you, that anything can come between you and your highest good. Now, what would it be like in your life if you really could live from the space, nothing can come between me and my highest good. Nothing and no one can come between me and my highest good. Nothing, no one can come between me and my highest good, my prosperity, my health, my love, my harmonious relationships, my success, the achievement of my goals, the achievement of my divine purpose and mission. Nothing, nothing can stand between me and my highest good. No one can stand between me and my highest good. Is there anyone or any situation right now that's going on that you believe is standing in between you and your highest good? Well, let me give you one way you can check to see if that's true or not. Not the only way, one way. How often do you use the word but? I would be at this place with my money, but. I would have this health, but. I would have the relationship that I want, but. As Reverend Ike used to say, get your butt out of the way. Get your butt out the way. See, because the butt tells you where you're pausing and what you believe is in the way of your highest good. The more you use but, the more you are letting yourself know. This is a particular issue that I believe is in, in between me and my highest good. Just just trying to relate it. All right, back to the book. It says, blessing your enemy helps you dismantle the belief that the enemy is against you. That anything can become between you and your highest good. Again, I just read that. But I want that to really, really land. Your enemy is simply a mirror to place inside of yourself where you are not connected to God. Now, I changed this to say where you are not consciously connected to God. Because I don't believe you can be disconnected from God. I think you can function as if you were disconnected, but there's no such thing as disconnected from God because your true nature is the self-expression of God. All right, going moving on. It says, because this is the truth, your blessing, the enemy allows you to reclaim, reclaim, I would say become aware of, your power and dignity. Your power and dignity. The act of blessing is an expression of your faculty of faith. Uh, your blessing is the affirmation that all things are working together for good. Remember that scripture in Romans, I think it's Romans 8.28, uh, where it says all things are work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And that's one of the scriptures where where even when people are trying to do shady stuff, you just got to know they, they're not your enemy. Because why? They can't interfere with your highest good because all things work together for good. 
all things work together for my good. Even somebody else's human scheming will work together for my good because I'll, I'll be led into right action every time. Why? Because we believe that learning to listen to the whisperings of the still small voice will ensure that we're guided in the right action. Move it on. Number, uh, page 45. Do the right thing. Do good. You must work for good in the situation. That way you're working as God is working. Doing good means doing the right thing. Now, what is the right thing? In my opinion, doing the right thing is principle-centered living. Right thinking, right feeling, right words, right actions, right reactions. What is right? Right is that which is in alignment with truth. That which is in alignment with principle. Right? So, principle is is you know god's underlying plan it's the it's the unalterable truth and just this is a universe that works through divine law governed by divine law that means when i understand how principle works because law is just the principle in action then that means that I can get the results that I desire because I understand that when I'm in alignment with the principle, I get the result. And since God is the principle of absolute good, when I'm in alignment with the principle of absolute good, that absolute good starts to express in my everyday life. Now, moving on. All right. Again, he says the enemy is also mirroring what is missing in your relationship. If someone is critical of you, his or her criticism is an attempt to get you to look at the relationship or to see how you have shared in creating the problem to begin with. The last thing you probably want to do when someone treats you bad is to do good. His or her contempt is all the evidence you need to substantiate your need to protect yourself. But this is the key. In order to shift from defensiveness to doing something that is an outward demonstration of spiritual maturity, you must know the truth. This is why I tell people, study, read, pray, meditate, get in classes. No one is against you. That's the truth. The person's hatred is not about you. It's about what's missing in your relationship. It's about what you said or did or didn't say or do. It's about what's missing in the person's attempt. To find love and peace. Sometimes it's just in their consciousness and you're trying to engage and fix somebody who's working through what they need to work and it's not your job to fix them. It might, you know, and when you get clear about your purpose and mission, that person may or may not even be a part of your everyday life or a part of your life at all. See, but if you have the agitation in your soul and they have agitation in their soul and they complement each other, they're going to draw each other. All right, back to the book. It says, your purpose in this relationship is to find a greater sense of wholeness and worth and to be the avenue through which God's love flows into the relationship. Mm. My purpose is to find a greater sense of wholeness. So what this book is saying over and over again is that life life gives us the opportunity over and over again to rediscover our own wholeness. Every relationship, every situation, every encounter gives me the opportunity to discover my or rediscover my spiritual wholeness, your spiritual wholeness. 
Doing the right things means that you let go of needing to be right. Oh, and focus your attention on what you can do to demonstrate your wholeness and worth in this relationship. Think about that. Needing to be right. Some people rather be right than have harmony. I'm not saying that you should, you know, just again, acquiesce to nonsense, but you don't have to be a right fighter. Sometimes just, okay, let them have whatever they need to have and keep it moving. How much time and attention and energy are you putting towards being right with somebody that won't get you the results you want in the first place? So what if you're right? What do you gain? So we're coming up on our last break. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, Words from Our Past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, Words from Our Past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will wreak huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. Here on Unity Online Radio. You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. All right, welcome back to Transforms. We're on page um, 45 at the bottom of the page. He wrote, when you feel threatened, 
Your natural tendency is to protect yourself. I agree with that completely. Whether it's mental or physical, the natural tendency is, I feel threatened, is to put up your physical or mental dukes, as they say. You put your fist up. You do this by needing to be right and making your enemy wrong. This keeps you stuck in the belief that someone can be against you. It distances you from your own wholeness and worth. Now, this is a very good question. When you are connected to your wholeness, do you need to be right? Do you need to make the other person wrong? Those are two powerful questions. When you are connected to your wholeness, do you need to be right? Do you need to make the other person wrong? Now, hear me. This has everything to do with personal consciousness and how you engage authentically. For instance, uh, the, the, to me, the key word in each question is need. You might have a job or position or responsibility where it has to be right in the sense of accurate. You know, you know, you, if you have a job that's and you're part of a crew that helps planes land, you don't have time for a lot of nonsense that doesn't work. You have to be accurate. Lives are at stake. And there are many jobs and responsibilities, supervisory roles, managerial roles, etc., where you have to be accurate. But here's the thing. That's because of the position. The question is, do you need to be right? Because some people need to be right. And they won't have any peace until somebody acknowledges that they are right. Some people are just right fighters. And if if you are a right fighter, then you're always creating conflict because that need to be right will always draw unto you those who will engage that aspect of your soul. That's why you have to be very careful. You know, I used to be quite the bulldog when it came to Christ Universal Temple. I tell people that all the time. You know, uh, you know, I, I felt like, you know, being a kid in the neighborhood and somebody was talking about your mama. You didn't, I didn't play that. But then I really heard Reverend Coleman years later, years and years later, when she said, you don't have to do you don't have to defend me. Tell people to drive by one one nine zero one South Ashland. Let them see what God is doing. But you don't have to defend me. Now, this is the key. She was so secure. In her own beingness that she felt no need to defend herself against lies. She just lived her truth. This is a thought. It's just a thought because after a while, you can get so caught up in other people's mess that you don't have time to even live authentically. So be mindful about being a right fighter. Because, for instance, if you're in a relationship and you're always making your significant other feel wrong, 
you've both lost. You've both lost. If a person is feeling diminished so you can feel enhanced, even if it's your own child, then you've both lost. If you're a manager or a supervisor and your employees feel diminished so you can feel enhanced, then you've both lost. Because what can come out of that space but in harmony? All right. He goes on to say, Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What is the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees? I'm right. You're wrong. Pharisee. Pharisees were separatists. Actually, Pharisee means separatists. Separate from the rest of society. And many times that's what we do. Instead of coming from the space, as he writes in the book, your your way is right for you. My way is right for me. Again, I'm going to do what's best for my soul. I suggest you do the same. All right. He goes on to say, humanly, it is impossible to be right without making someone else wrong. That is why you must shift the question. What is right? What? Uh, what is the right thing to do in this situation? The right thing to do is not about winning, defeating the enemy, or looking good. It is about taking authentic action regarding what's missing in the relationship. So that shifts. What authentic action could I take right now? This was the 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 crux of the WWJD movement back in the nineties. What would Jesus do? Because I was trying to connect people to authentic action. Back to the book. Page 47. And again, I've read a lot of this chapter, but I can't read a whole chapter to you. That's why you get the book. Being justified, right, or entitled to exacting reciprocity may come at the expense of your own holiness and worth. So in other words, you can be justified. You can be right. I have a right to be mad. I have a right to be angry. I have a right to be whatever. I'm entitled to etc. and allow your emotions to get in all type of different space and spaces. But at what cost? Jesus says, what good is it for a man to gain the world and lose his soul? Soul in Aramaic means self. Have you ever lost yourself in the midst of doing something or being around someone else? You lost you lost yourself. In other words, you didn't know who the person was. You can look back and say, I don't know what I was thinking. Person winked at you the right way and you start acting crazy. <laughs> it's something to think about. Anyway, moving on. Number four, last step, set yourself and your enemy free. It says, the fourth step in dealing with a condition, situation, or person as your enemy is prayer. Pray for those who spitefully use you or persecute you. Now, I always say pray for, not not about. So we will pray about people. We don't pray for them, for their good, for their well-being. Not praying for, uh, about praying for. All right. He goes on to write, you may feel like a victim in the presence of your enemy. 
If this is true, then your prayers are likely an attempt to free yourself from the relationship or the situation. If this is the case, it is important to remember that the relationship or situation is not against you. It is for you. It is there to gift you, inviting you to embrace your wholeness and worth. And I know sometimes when we see really what we would call horrible human experiences, this is hard to swallow. But even those situations that have nothing to do with us personally give us an opportunity to really see where we are in our souls. You know, what comes up when you see things that you disagree with? Because sooner or later, you have to have a case of action to take authentic action. Martin Luther King took authentic action when he saw the issues with the with what. Uh, with how African-Americans were being treated in the 50s and 60s. He took authentic action, but still stayed in the peace and love of his soul. He goes on to say at bottom of page 47, prayer helps you fill the gaps in your awareness of God's presence and purpose in the situation. Praying for your enemies is the way to shift your attention. Ah, shift. Where your attention goes, the power flows. Shift your attention to your center, your spiritual identity, so you can see the relationship as an opportunity for healing and growth. He talked about Jesus praying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He goes on to say, Jesus prayed the prayer of forgiveness as a way of freeing himself, 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 not the others, himself of judgment and condemnation and any sense that he was a victim. So even in that situation, Jesus wasn't a victim. It doesn't make a difference what you go through. You don't have to be a victim. And and I know sometimes it's a cute label. People, you know, walk around, I'm the victim. People will tell you that. They'll affirm it powerfully. But when you affirm it powerfully and you hold on to it, you got to keep the rest. You have to keep the rest. And I don't think it's worth it. But that's the choice every soul must make. Bottom of the page 48, bottom of page 48. Prayer helps you align your thoughts and feelings and gives you an opportunity to forgive yourself and others. When you pray for your enemies, you lift yourself and the situation into the peace and serenity of God. That's that really explains itself. That which you praise, you raise that which you lift up, you bring to the light so it can be transformed. All right. It says like the enemy, the energy of victim gets his power from the belief that someone or something is against you. While your hurts and woundedness may seem to be the evidence to the contrary, as a spiritual being, you know that the victim and the abuser pose of man's inhumanity are, are effects of the sense of separation. In other words, they're two ends of the same pole. Both come out of a sense of separation. So with that, I want you to do the the. um the questions on page 50, the awareness questions, do them all in writing and really work with it. And if you haven't done any of the awareness questions so far, I want you to go back through the book and get caught up. Do the work. If you do the work, you'll get the transformation. Again, it works if you work it. So work it. We have come to the end of the show God bless you, and I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. 
Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Rev. Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on A Course in Miracles, with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free, every Friday at 2 p.m. Central, here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. In quiet moments of prayer, Let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Do you experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Alfrey is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement. 
when you keep bringing up the rear. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation Podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 